Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, May 29, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, have you trusted Jesus as God's appointed priest who has made atonement for your sins? If not, you have nothing to look forward to but condemnation when he who now is offered as your savior will again appear at the end of history as your judge. The author of Hebrews reminds us that the Lord will judge his people, adding, It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Alexander McLaren said, the choice for every man, I'm going to say the choice for every woman, is being crushed underneath his foot or being exalted to sit with him on his throne. He that overcometh to him will I give to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. Indeed, it is better to sit on his throne than to be his footstool. When we come back, we are going to talk about the choice for every woman. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are talking about the choice for every woman. Our scripture reading is taken from the 110th Psalm, verses 1 through 7. And I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, beginning in Psalm chapter 110, at verse 1, the Word of God says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way. And so he will lift his head high. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading 
and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Lady Psalm 110 was very important to the early church and is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. Of all the Messianic Psalms, this Psalm 110 is the greatest because it is all about the Messiah and his work. There are other Messianic Psalms, including Psalm 2, Psalms 22, Psalm 45, and Psalm 72, but they contain mostly Messianic elements and other parts about the reigning earthly king at that time. On the contrary, this Psalm 110 is all about a divine king who is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven and presently extending his spiritual rule throughout the earth. This Psalm also tells us that the Messiah is a priest performing priestly duties and a judge who will execute a final judgment on every nation and earthly ruler at the end of time. Edward Reynolds, a well-known expositor of Psalm 110, wrote this. He said, this psalm is one of the fullest and most compendious prophecies of the person and offices of Christ in the entire Old Testament. Reynolds understood this psalm as teaching the doctrines of the divine trinity, the incarnation, sufferings, resurrection, ascension, and intercession of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the last judgment, the remission of sin, and the life everlasting. This psalm is all about Jesus Christ. So let's unpack Psalm 110. Verse one of our text says, the Lord, this is all capital letters, Lord, says to my Lord, all lowercase letters, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In Hebrew, the first word for Lord is Jehovah or Yahweh, which is indicated by is being printed in capital letters. This is a reference to the God of Israel. The second word for Lord in lowercase is Adonai, which refers to an individual greater than the speaker. In our text, David is citing God's words in which God tells another person who is greater than David to sit at his right hand until he makes this person's enemies a footstool for the person's feet. The person or this person is Jesus Christ, the divine Messiah who God has given dominion over his enemies. Verse one is one of two oracles or special revelations from God in our text. The second is found in verse four and is more important than the first. It is introduced by two points of emphasis. The first is the oracle is sworn by the Lord. And the second is that we are told that the Lord will not change his mind. Verse four says the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 
Now, to me, this is a strange thing for the Lord to emphasize because most people, whether in or outside of the church, cannot tell you who Melchizedek is or why he is important. By way of background, Melchizedek first appeared in Genesis 14. Abraham had succeeded in rescuing his nephew, Lot, Lot's family and Lot's possessions from a coalition of four kings who had attacked and overcome five other kings, including the king of Sodom, where Lot had been living. In his or on his way back from this battle, Abraham is met by Melchizedek, who is identified as a priest of God Most High. Melchizedek blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tithe of the spoils of the war. The entire story is told in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, which says, Then Melchizedek, king of Solomon, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So according to the author of the book of Hebrews, Melchizedek was an important man who came on the scene suddenly without any prior explanation. He is an important Old Testament type of Christ. His name Melchizedek is more of a title than a proper name, and it means king of righteousness. So Melchizedek stood for righteousness during the time when most people did not. Melchizedek, or the king of righteousness, is also an important title for Jesus, who has become our righteousness, holiness, and redemption, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, which says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. In addition, Melchizedek is said to have been a king of Salem, which means king of priests, which is yet another title for Jesus Christ, who by becoming our righteousness and by his death on the cross made peace between us and God. The second time we read about Melchizedek in the Bible is in Psalm 110, our text today, in which he is depicted as a type of Messiah. Verse 1 of our text describes David's Lord, capitalized, as a divine Messiah who God has given dominion over enemies. We've already read it twice, so I'm not going to read it again. But verses 2 and 3 says, the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. 
These verses describe the extension of the Lord's rule through those who are his willing servants who serve on the day of battle. Today, that is, or they are, the church. Verse 4, as that the Messiah will also be a priest. It says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the idea of the Messiah being a priest in Old Testament times would have been shocking to the Jewish community because kingly and priestly functions were not united in a single person in Israel. On the contrary, these roles were kept separate as a sort of check and balance system, similar to what we have in our governmental system in the United States, where we have our executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government, giving each branch of government powers that the other does not have. In a similar manner, in ancient Israel, no king could be a priest and no priest could be a king. As a matter of fact, when Uzziah, the king of Judah, entered the temple where only the priests were allowed in order to offer incense to the Lord, God judged him by afflicting him with leprosy. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 23. The reason we have a balance of governmental powers is because human beings cannot be trusted with excessive or unchecked powers. But Jesus is no mere human being. He is the God-man, as perfect in his divine as in his human attributes. Therefore, he and he alone is qualified to be both a priest and a king forever. Melchizedek, as a type of Christ and in Genesis, was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. Our psalm text applies both of these titles to the Messiah by first noting his appointment as a king and second as a priest in verses 1 and four, respectively. We have examined Melchizedek in Genesis and the follow-up reference in our psalm text where the oracles, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek is cited. Now, let's look at how the treatment of Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews is an inspired New Testament exposition of the ideas of Psalm 110, verse 4, specifically the phrases, the Lord has sworn a priest forever and the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6 introduces Melchizedek by quoting Psalms 110, verse 4, and referring to the order of Melchizedek. And again in verse 10. Then it explains in verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. 
What the writer wants to explain that the people are slow to learn is the significance of Psalm 110 verse 4. But as soon as he gets it back on track, the writer begins to explain the importance of God's swearing to some truth. And Psalm 110 saying that an oath stretches, stresses the certainty of what is said. Hebrews chapter six, verses 16 through 18 says, for people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes and oaths is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. One example of God's oath was to Abraham in Hebrews 6 verse 16, which says, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. The point is God's oath in regard to Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 says, Jesus has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This was not the case in the inauguration of Israel's priests. They were not confirmed by an oath because the priesthood of Jesus has been sworn to by God and his work as priest has become an anchor for the soul firm and secure. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, the author continues his exposition of Psalm 110, verse 4, by focusing on the word forever. He makes two points. First, because no genealogy of Melchizedek is given, this ancient king becomes a symbol of an eternal priesthood without beginning of days or end of life, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, which says, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. The second point is that is the inverse of the first. Unlike the priesthood of Jesus, symbolized by that of Melchizedek, the ancient Jewish priesthood was not forever, since the priests followed one another in long succession and each died. Their death represented their transience. Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 through 25 says, now there have been many of those priests since death present, prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Verse 28 combines the idea of God's oath with the idea of forever saying, for the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. 
The last time the author of Hebrews mentions the order of Melchizedek is in chapter 7, verse 11, which reads, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Ladies, the former regulation or law is set aside because it is weak and useless. The law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The new priesthood of Jesus is distinct from and superior to that of Aaron. It is in the order of Melchizedek, not according to the order of Aaron. Hebrews chapter 8 through 10 tells us three ways in which the priesthood of Jesus is superior to that of Aaron. First, it establishes a better covenant. The old covenant, which was established at Mount Sinai, was based on the principle that if the people, the Jewish people, remained faithful to God and obeyed God, he would protect and bless them. This was a good covenant based on a good law, but the people could not live up to it. Therefore, God pointed to a new and better covenant. The second way Jesus's priesthood is superior to Aaron's is that Jesus makes a real atonement. In Hebrews chapter 9, the author contrasts the ceremonies carried out by the ancient Jewish priests to the true sacrifice for sin made by Jesus Christ. The old sacrifices were useful in teaching the way to salvation by pointing to the coming of Jesus and suggesting the nature of his work. But the gifts and sacrifices offered did not actually remove sin and therefore did not clear the conscience of the worshipers. Third, or the third uh, Jesus's way Jesus's priesthood is superior to uh, Aaron's is that it did not need to be repeated. Jesus's priestly work was done once and for all. Jesus made a true atonement for sin. And when he completed his work, he showed he had done it by sitting down at the right hand of the father. As such, we should leave the lesser ceremonies or no ceremonies at all and place our full faith in Jesus Christ. Ladies, have you trusted Jesus as God's appointed priest who has made atonement for your sins? If not, you have nothing to look forward to but condemnation when he who now is offered as your savior will appear again at the end of history as your judge. The author of Hebrews remind us that the Lord will judge his people, adding, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That This is where Psalms 110 also ends. Psalm 110 is about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Messiah, in terms of first his enthronement, second, his governmental rule through his people, the church, and third, his priestly work of atonement and intercession, and finally, the final judgment. The last 
three verses of Psalm 110 introduces this work of judgment and moves from the book of Hebrews to the themes of the book of Revelation. Verses five through seven says, the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. And these verses, God the Father and his Messiah are seen working together. The army we talked about in verses two and three have dropped out of the picture. And it is God the Father and the Son who judge and destroy all who have taken up arms against the deity. We remember that Melchizedek was a king of Salem, which, as I said earlier, means king of peace. However, here, the king of priests is engaged in war. And these last few verses echoes Psalm 2 verse 9, which says about Jesus and his enemies, you will rule with them or rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Alexander McLaren says the choice for every man, I'm saying the choice for every woman, is being crushed beneath his foot or being exalted to sit with him on his throne. He that overcometh to him will I give to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. Indeed, it is better to sit on his throne than to be his footstool. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, or you may donate at, at GiveLify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole, or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 900 Three, four. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. And please don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice. That's J-A-N-I-S Nelson today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.